This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to Screen Talk, IndieWire's weekly podcast. I'm Eric Cohn, the Deputy Editor-in-Chief Critic, joined as always by our editor-at-large, Ann Thompson, out in Los Angeles. And this is the We Survived Can edition. Back on the home front in New York and L.A., we're still catching up on our sleep patterns. Successfully did not see Baywatch, but we're going to get a chance to talk about Wonder Woman soon enough. And there is life after Can, though we still have a lot to unpack. So I think the most important thing for us to do this weekend is just kind of get people caught up on how this festival went and how it matched or did not match up with uh, the expectations that we had going into it. Last week, we had not seen a few movies, and the awards had not happened. So I think we should start out by talking about those awards, specifically the Palme d'Or. Now, it's not the sort of thing that you can ever predict with complete certainty in advance, because the jury is just such an arbitrary sort of thing. But even with that being said... Uh, none of us really thought that the square from Ruben Ostland was the absolute front runner of the whole festival. And no, part and of I'll re- tell you something. I'll tell you something, Eric. What I think is interesting about this is that you wrote a very negative review, which when I read it, it was one of those reviews where you go, oh, that's what's wrong with the movie. That's actually very astute. And I read it. And I, and, but talking to you and talking to other people during the festival who are film critics... I realized at the end that when that movie won the Palme d'Or and Ruben Ostlund went running up to the stage and jumped up and down and, you know, just was so exuberant because he probably wasn't expecting it either, that, that sometimes we, there's a conventional wisdom about what is the right narrative shape that a movie should have. And because this movie exploded that and did its own weird, brilliant, incredibly entertaining thing, the jury, who are not film critics, responded to the movie itself right. without applying that kind of narrative structure to well, it the, that storytellers like film critics insisted There's on applying. A, something else that, that's going on related to what you're saying, which is that it's a movie that, that actually, I mean, I, my, to say that my review is completely negative isn't totally accurate. I, mean, I think there you was a gave lot it a C. I, I was C really plus. surprised. Well, but, but the thing, it was a C plus. It, you know, the reason why the, the grade got to that point was because there are a lot of really excellent, uh, really entertaining, and I think sophisticated vignettes throughout this movie. I just felt like it, it was very unwieldy. It doesn't totally congeal, and it has some issues with the way in which it sympathizes with, with certain characters throughout, where it's almost like it's, it seems like it's sort of condescending to, to its main character, this very neurotic uh, curator of sorts, but then at the same time sympathizing with him in ways that I felt like were unwarranted, and so it was it was sort of it was a messy movie in terms of point of view. But so we it, ended it, up doing a story where we put the ten best movies at Cannes. You and uh, David Ehrlich and I, and we we each wrote three, and one of us wrote four or whatever. But we ended up not including 
the square. Well, none of us really I liked it wanted that much. to. No, yeah. I wanted to include it, and I'm actually mad at myself because I chose to choose. I went with Anya Sparta. I went with Loveless. I went with the movies I really loved better than the square. There were three movies that I loved better than the square, but I considered doing it, no, and, and I, I wish we had. I, I, I don't wish we had because that wouldn't have been an accurate reflection of our favorite movies of the festival. I enjoyed but, the movie thoroughly. But, I just but thought it had you had problems. some reservations. I mean, the, the yes. thing about the movie is that. In some ways, I think it won because it was an imperfect movie with a lot of entertainment value. It is a good consensus choice in that respect. It's also very long, so there is it is an endurance chat test that stays with you. So if you think about it that way... But we're unlike, still thinking about that well, movie. That, there are scenes in that movie that we will I, never I don't forget. Deny and that. that's what I don't those deny people that. responded to. Exactly. They, they responded to the scene with the Tourette's and guy, well, you know, with Dominic West and there, the arts. They responded of, yeah. to the crazy well, scene with the condom fight. I, 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 I think that, I mean, and nobody knows what we're talking about here, so that all sounds crazy. It is kind of a kooky movie, but I think it's also, it's, it asks a lot of the audience and it's entertaining. You have to think about those two things in tandem in the sense that, you know, there, there's a difference between a movie that is uh, an endurance test and also, you know, has a certain kind of filmmaking technique that is very off-putting, you know, a, a Godardian kind of distance or something like that. This movie invites you in and then it stays with you for a long time. So it makes sense in some ways that they would go with this as a consensus choice rather than, say, The Beguiled, a 90-minute movie that's sort of... They made a big statement by giving Sophia the best director. And that was an incredibly good thing to do. And I was very pleased. And the movie did well. It was a nice surprise, Nicole Kidman got a special prize for all four movies. But you could consider The Beguiled to probably be the most important. Well, the the thing that's interesting about that, too, is when you watch the live ceremony for the awards... uh, Everybody starts to try to figure out the, who won what based on who's there. So we didn't. She see, wasn't there. Yeah, she wasn't she there. But so she did a video. Nicole right. wasn't there either. Nicole and Sophia were both not there, so nobody was really necessarily anticipating that. Lynn Ramsey was there. Her film screen live. Two awards. She, which was interesting. Well, so her film got two awards. One and a half. But yeah. One and I mean, a half. Well, you could say shared it's a, screenplay. Yeah. And she that, got. Best actor, which is a big deal. But the screenplay, but the screenplay award, it was interesting because everybody who I was talking to, as this was starting to happen, they would they assumed she was a lock for director, if not Palm. Palm would have been a stretch for a movie like this, but director would not have been surprising because if you think about it, if this jury wanted to make a statement by either giving the Palm to the first woman to win the Palm since Jane Campion is the only person who's won the Palm, or Director, which had 50 plus years. There was years a one 50 since, years yeah, between. 58 yeah. years, something like that. It would make sense that, that she would be the winner because she was the one woman director who showed up. Now, the screenplay award that she split with Yorgos Lanthimos, I think is kind of fascinating because neither of those movies are easy sells, right? She won Best Screenplay and Walking easy Phoenix sold won who? Actor. Well, so, so for you, you, are, you were never really here. And Killing of a Sacred Deer from Yorgos Lanthimos. These were movies saying, that. Those are critical hits. Exactly. Those are movies they're, that the they're not critics easy like. Sells. This is again about the disparity between what the critics like and what the jury likes. The jury is totally made great. up of actors and directors. Now, I would say that the it is possible that Pedro Almodovar or or Paolo Sorrentino or Park Chan Wook may sync up with 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 perhaps with 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 the critics in some ways but but i i don't know it, this to me these are movies that are not going to travel that well i the lynn ramsey you and i saw together 
at a pre-screening before the actual, because uh, we left early. Both of us had our reasons for leaving early, but and I regret that I missed the Fata Akin and I, which into the fade where the it's woman, okay. no, no, no. Uh, she okay. Dion Kruger won Best Actress. But so. but but the Lynn Ramsey film. Let, let's stay on that for a minute because I think it's worth worth talking about a little bit. It, you could argue you didn't it's like a, it that much. Eric. I I rave no about absolutely. It. But let's. Let's be as uh, subtle here as we can in terms of what that really means. Did I like it that much? I think there's a lot of uh, accomplishments embedded in a movie that felt very unfinished to me. Me and, too, uh, and we it, agreed not, on that. And, and then it, the other critics went wild, and one it does of the not surprise of me. critics it does that not went wild me. were the Brits. No, and it doesn't surprise they were surprise rooting me. for their own. I mean, that it's was part not of just what happened. The there was I a think, bias I there. I think there's a bias overall towards a, a, an accomplished filmmaker like Lynn Ramsey. People, it's been a long time since the last time she's made a movie. And, you know, people were rooting for that. Also, being the last film in competition to screen, people are exhausted. They want something very satisfying. And it's certainly, it's got a lot going on cinematically. But yes, I think it's it makes it, it totally makes sense in style. That, that it would it is be extraordinary. To that, um, and the acting is very good. I don't begrudge the prize. I think it was an appropriate prize for Joaquin Phoenix. And yet you and I both walked out of that movie talking about the different ways that it could be improved. And I will be curious to see in the editing room is what we mean, because there's great stuff there. What would if, if either of these movies, which were uh, we know were not finished when they were submitted, whether either of these movies will actually go back into the editing room well, before I, I it's think released. Well, I think You Were Never Really Here is a movie that feels like it could be edited so many more times over. It felt like I was actually in the editing room. Watching, I know. You know. Exactly. So, I, so it's, very, it's sort of an open question. I mean, I and think you it's... you can tell that, you, what's his name, uh, Alessandro Nivolo got completely cut out. Yeah, there was, there's, there's a lot of that. That's fine. I mean, I, I more credit to a filmmaker who can kind of do whatever she wants in that respect, and it seems like Amazon in particular is really... Uh, you know, emboldened her to have that freedom. So that that was that was a nice triumph for her, as, as, to the extent that she could get away with making movies she wanted to make, and she got a nice reception at Cannes, which seemed like it was iffy until the last minute and all that stuff. I am more curious about uh, the Square because people are going to want to know about this movie now that it won the Palm. It went into the festival with U.S. distribution from Magnolia, but I still feel like it's sort of a question mark whether or not it's going to play. You know, around the country, in a, in a way that that could be as you know positive as its can reception. I mean, well, it will need good reviews in order to, in order. It's it's an interesting question. If if, if, if you know, does the fact that it won the Palm Door change what its reviews will be? That that's an interesting. Yeah, sometimes question. sometimes it seems to. It happens it that way. It, it goes back and forth. I mean, nobody went to go see Winter Sleep when it won a few years ago. The the Turkish film. But, that was uh, what it was. <laughs> but yeah, but Blue's Warmest Color. I mean, there, there was a lot of controversy that with impact, that movie, but sure. there's no question that that, that made a difference. This one, is, it's hard to say. I mean, uh, it, it was a really in, fascinating jury, and it was fascinating to kind of speculate about. You know, they what clearly kind of, fought with each other. I mean, I I got the sense that the Pedro vote really went to BPM, right? That's I mean, there's just, he was it, obviously very the, moved. You know, if there's going to be a gay movie that he's going to be get 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 behind, I mean, this was a very strong kind of traditionally emotionally resonant movie. Uh, it did get picked up by a U.S. distributor, The Orchard, and um, it could have an, a strong audience. It's a very satisfying movie in certain ways, but it's, it, I don't know if it's, it's going to necessarily balloon in, in the way that um, you know, some people may be hoping. I, the, the film that I think ends up being the story of, of Cannes as far as 
you know, how the festival could be a, a, a platform for it is the one that was not in competition at all whatsoever. The Florida Project. And when we last spoke about the Florida Project, it still was, it had a kind of bidding war of sorts going on around it. It, it entered the festival as the big U.S. movie, big being a relative term, but the U.S. movie that didn't have distribution, all the buyers went to the screening, people really liked it, the reviews were strong, and we went to the party, we saw buyers chasing Sean Baker around this this place, and it ended the festival not closing a deal, and then as our planes well, touched down... There was some definite uh, lowering of the price going on, because the sellers, knowing that they had uh, a seller's market and so much interest, were trying to get as much money as they could. And I was very, very gratified that when our planes, our respective planes landed, that A24 ended up with the movie. And we don't know exactly how much they paid, but um, they they are in a position to give it a proper theatrical release and a proper uh, awards campaign. Which is when the real work begins, because as much as the can reception was warranted, the real world is not can, and this is a really interesting movie in the sense that it's very satisfying to that niche of critics and cinephile types who responded to Tangerine, like Sean's style of working with amateur actors to kind of very cinema his, verite. Yeah, very, and really then he's got a really cool six-year-old performance, but it's not a six-year-old performing the way that say the kid in Beasts of, of the Southern Wild was this breakout because it's not the same kind of sensational experience. It's, she's it's pretty a, cool and she's pretty good, but what you're saying it's, it's is, a smaller is, movie. is accurate in the sense that Beasts of the Southern Wild ticked a lot of boxes that actually worked with the Academy and it ended up getting four nominations and Convention E. Wallace and uh, screenwriting and Best Picture. You know, that's, that's, that's astonishing. But I, I really don't know um, how far... Florida Project goes. But if anybody can push it there, it's the people who took Moonlight to Best Picture. Well, and, and I heard early on people saying they wanted to see this. The people who got behind this movie early on on the financing level wanted to see this as their Moonlight. And it's kind of hilarious that that's even a thing right now. So obviously A24 was sort of the ideal to get they're the movie. it they're the right. it indie uh, I distributor du jour. But I'm sure that Amazon and, and Neon and the, you know it's a very interesting landscape now for different kinds of people who are experimenting with risk. So the question movies. of which of these distributors could afford right. to take you know Orchard had already bought something and and so you know they were not necessarily uh, they bought BPM they're 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 not necessarily going to to take another crack at something that wasn't surefire at a certain price. So, you know, Sony Pictures Classics had already acquired Loveless. You know, so the, it was a question of who still had had some spending money, I would say. It's, it's also just kind of fascinating to think about, you know, if, if we're stuck talking about certain movies that we discover way back at Cannes for the rest of the year, say, you know, the year that Son of Saul won the Oscar, we had been talking about it for basically a year by the time that happened. Something like Florida Project will be an interesting movie to live with because, I don't know how different kinds of people are going to respond to this movie having their expectations built up in a big way. It's a cool, edgy movie with a great child performance. It's all set in this budget motel next to Disney World. But is it groundbreaking? I mean, it's it, it's just a very well-executed movie for what it is. I think people who know about how movies get made will recognize the degree of difficulty and skill 
that is on display here. But that's, the, that's an aspect of it. But the real question is whether it works for audiences and whether it plays and whether it's emotionally moving. And I, I do believe that, that that will be true. Um, uh, but I do know that because it's, it, it lacks a certain snob appeal because it's set in poverty row with these very edgy, very abrasive, often, characters. And that's part of what Steve, Sean Baker actually accomplishes is sort of threading the needle where he's not turning us completely off. But there are people he does turn off. Don't respond. And also, and I spoke to one of them. You also have to. Well, yeah, exactly. We know that they exist, and and there will be more of them. But the other thing is Tangerine, which was a movie that I I, I thought similar because he identifies with marginal characters. Yeah, no, and 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 also he's been making movies for a decade. He's not. He people may have discovered him recently through Tangerine, but he made a movie called Takeout ten years ago about a. Chinese immigrant who's a delivery man in New York. It was very similar. He's been doing this for a long time. I think in some ways he's a veteran for a certain kind of DIY ethos. But the thing about Tangerine was that it also tapped into the gay audience that wanted to see a certain kind of underrepresented character and the certain iPhone. kind of marketing hook. There, yeah, and, which the, is and the iPhone be, thing. Now, Willem Dafoe is very and the iPhone. You're absolutely right. There was a huge amount of of. of media attention that that came around those things that made it interesting to people this may not have as much Willem Dafoe is very good though and I would say if we're going to talk Oscars I um updated all my Oscar charts yesterday so if you want to know what the post can landscape is it's all there but um I would say Willem Dafoe if if they could get a supporting actor nomination for him uh he deserves it he carries that movie and on he's his, been his down this narrow shoulders he's been he's been nominated he's, twice he's, before yeah, yeah. yeah he's like so it's not the riskiest thing he's done but it's uh, it's certainly something that uh, that people he has a lot of heart as they say in the trade he's 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 he cares he's he's actually take you know the paternal figure that will that these kids will never have it i i found it very moving actually and i like the when, when actors of a certain stature see a movie that you know people like us see at festivals and they're like i want to work with that person and then a year later you just see the results i mean that happened with robert pattinson this year he saw the safties heaven knows what and was like i want to work with these guys and then you get good time a year later so the, there are multiple examples of this well let's resume. talk about that that's a, is, i would put both um Lynn Ramsey's um, You Were Never Really Here and Good Time in the same category, which is basically a worthy, critically hailed uh, exercise in style with a great performance at the center. And in each case, it's a genre movie. And that's where when you get to the Oscars, there can be a disconnect if it's very violent, if it's very um, street gritty. Now, sometimes Taxi Driver rises above or, or The Departed or, 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 you know, a movie that has that kind of, of cred, you know, goes all the way. But it takes a lot to get there. But, and, and don't you think I mean, Good Time is a movie that has – you never really hear a movie that I respected a lot. But, but Good Time has, has more payoff. It's a very entertaining movie. It's funny. It's it's a little strange. It is. It might do well at the box office. I hope it does, and I think it's a great breakthrough for Rob Pattinson. He's fantastic. Yeah, he's really. It's a but that doesn't take. I mean, just to put my Oscar hat on, it's it's a long road 
to get to to get you know a twenty four again they know what they're doing right. but it's a long road to get to the Oscars on it also depends yeah. on who's he's, who he's up against and we can't really fully assess that field yet. So that, that'll be an interesting kind of challenge. But somebody like him is one thing that, that, that is an asset is that you can put him on the road, right? I mean, he already got his Manila Dargis New York Times profile. So I, uh, I think the New York Times is chasing traffic. They did Kristen Stewart and Robert gosh, Pattinson <laughs> and Kirsten Dunst. <laughs> well, we're all in the same game in that respect. But <laughs> I'm, I'm happy to report that we did a lot more than all that stuff. But, you know, also we get to keep talking about these movies and, and Cannes is only one starting point. So we chase all kinds of different movies while we're there. And then the conversation fluctuates and, and goes in all kinds of different directions. I mean, I'm curious about some of the other potential award season players this year because there, there's more than just the obvious ones. One that came up it's sort of unexpectedly over the course of the festival was this film that played out of competition, Faces Places from Agnes Varda, which this, this very personal film she made with JR, and we talked about this a little bit last week, but the idea of the this 88-year-old French New Wave legend being in the Oscar race for a documentary, I think is, is something very exciting that if it continues to gain momentum. I think she's at the head of the Oscar race. Yeah, I don't think a, there's anyone even close to her. I was talking to um, Tom Powers, who's sort of the doc czar. And he know, gave it an award. Programs Miami. Well, there was a, well, there was a doc. Oh, there's, this is the third year that there's been a sort of sidebar jury judging the docs that is affiliated with Cam, but not part of the Palm d'Or uh, process. And they gave it to, there was no question, they gave it to uh, Faces Places, which is a great movie. It is not only um, uh, visually uh, eye-popping and, and it's, sort of a, it's sort of a road movie with, with uh, performance art and uh, this guy putting his giant photos up on different buildings and interviewing people uh, with uh, Anya Sparta, but it's also a little bit of a mem- memoir for her and, and it, it's very moving. She's 88, she has a cane, she's going blind and she's just at the top uh, of her powers. It's very Could be her last movie. movie. Exactly. It's very explicitly a movie about somebody who, who is working as though she may never work again. I mean, there's right. a scene where she they visit a gravesite and she says, you know, I'd be okay being here. I mean, it, it was just like she's reflecting on her own mortality in a way that's kind of fascinating, but also charming and, and endearing and not grim at all. I mean, she goes, she has an eye disease and she goes to the, the eye doctor and you see this scene where she's getting an eye injection and JR thinks this is, you know, traumatizing her or something. She says, no, it's no big deal. I just think of uh, the, the Boonwell film where the eye gets slashed, you know. It's <laughs> That's like, what the movie's like. Yeah. And then she goes and gets all these people in a human pyramid with placards, and they're reenacting what it is that she sees when she looks at an eye chart. It was exactly. incredible. They were bobbing, yeah, yeah. and they were out of focus. Yeah, you know? so it's, the movie kind of weaves and bobs in all kinds of different directions, but it's, it's very involving. It's, it's an interesting question, too, about something like this in the, in the documentary Oscar race because it's such an untraditional documentary, and there's well, nothing else to top Well, this is what uh, Tom Powers was comparing it to. Uh, you know, there's certain precedents. I mean, it could be, it could be camera person. Uh, it could be uh, – there, there's, there's some shortlisted movies like, like the um, – she has been shortlisted, but she hasn't been – 
nominated yet for for a uh, there, there's some other art more artful films like that 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 there's precedence for yeah although i think it's it's a film that she's been building up the vim vendors so with the photography what, right remember salt, that of, one? salt of the earth that's yeah. a good no, that example. Was a, yeah and, and he also got nominated for pina pina i mean I, she was she made beaches of agnes like a little less than a decade ago and this is very if you've seen that movie you I think it was know. the Gleaners. It was either the Gleaners and I. Uh, uh, Gleaners that and I was uh, like 15 years ago. Yeah, yeah. So the, the, those movies are this sort of like late period Varda nonfiction works that I think it's it's sort of a, it's of a piece. In some you were going to do a piece so, about her. What happened? Yeah, no, it's still it's still in the works. We're going to get there. It's the nice thing about a lot of the work that we do at Cannes is that it's continuous. So uh, Eric and I were fighting this. over Agnes Bart. You should know. We yeah. both wanted to talk to her. He Such got a hard there life. first. <laughs> Such a hard life. And, and unfortunately, because of the way that award season works, you know, she'll be making the rounds. Or you know, one, one, I hope one so. Can only I hope, hope she can. I hope she can. Uh, she can come out here. Um, so what else? So in the end, as far as the Oscars are concerned, uh, the beguiled certainly with Sofia Coppola winning played best director. Fine. He played pretty and well. Kid, Kidman, I think. I think that movie's a perfect. Soft lob down the middle, Oscar contender focus features behind it. The question is whether they're still uh, as adept uh, post uh, Adrian Bowles. Uh, well, I'm, getting, I'm getting deja vu because last year you used the term soft lob down, down the middle for, the, um, for, for a completely different film that played in Kane competition uh, with um, Joel Edgerton and... Uh, and uh, see, I can't even remember what it's called now. Now you're <laughs> acting like me. You're well, that's, it's, it's, it, it, it tells you something about how much uh, this movie <laughs> stuck with me. Well, um, what movie are we talking about? We're talking about the another focus feature movie called Loving. Loving, which, thank you. Um, which uh, this is how much I found this movie nice but forgettable. Is that I yeah, can't? No, even... in the end, it didn't have the right stuff, and it didn't. It got a screenplay. People uh, like it, but not that much. You know, yeah, I mean, it just—it's sort of... just the way it is. But, but the guy but... is edgier. I mean, it's uh, more people can kind of get behind a movie like this, right? Because it's kind of. It's kind of nutty. It's it's got this B movie quality to it. I'm not saying it's necessarily better from a qualitative perspective. No, it's well. Here's what it has. It, it, both of those films were were period. I mean, this is period. This is so. It's got it's singing. It's cinematography. Philippe Lesourd. It's just gorgeous. You know, it's the production. It's what you expect from Sofia Coppola. It's why she won sure. Best Director. It's it's the production design, the costumes, the music. It's all it's all of a piece. And she got a great performance out of Kidman and Kirsten Dunst. So I think those are the two acting nominations. I think Colin Farrell is excellent, but I don't think that would be uh, unless the movie goes really far and turns into an enormous hit with coattails. I, I don't know that it will be. What do you think? He's not the, nah. I mean, people respect him, and, and they'll respect him for Killing a Sacred Deer even if they don't like the movie, but he's not central to its appeal. In some ways, because it's this sort of, it's a feminist gaze kind of a movie, he's just sort of, the, he's the object of their gaze in a way that... She's very like, aware of it. So yeah, it, it doesn't depend on his performance sure. in the same way. So you don't come out of the movie thinking about him. You think about how they look at him and how they choose to react to him and, and react to each other. And so no that's what's way, enjoyable. Going back it. with uh, Loving, Nega was the only uh, Nega, nomination. Yeah. So that's Nicholas right. got WGA nomination. Yeah, exactly. But it stayed in the conversation the whole year. People were really wondering about it because it, it, people liked no, it. No, they went all the way with it. And it. But it just, that's a movie that was so restrained and so... 
calibrated not to go for the big emotional points that it ended up leaving the audience behind in some ways. That's what really happened there. That, yeah, exactly. And, and, and it'll be an interesting question for a lot of the things that we saw if, if that'll happen. I mean, the, the festival started off with uh, Loveless, which a lot of people really liked and seems like, well, maybe that could be a big foreign language contender. Or maybe it's just too grim and it'll just sort of quietly slip out it of the conversation. It, right. It won't be a foreign language contender unless Russia submits it. And it's, it's, it was made independent of any Russian right. financing. They wanted to be completely independent. And uh, Zvia Ginsev is absolutely a top of the line, best, probably best director they have right now in Russia. And if they're smart, they will submit it. But... Um, I saw another movie, uh, Tetsnop. Oh God, it's, it's called Close Closeness in English. Even better, Tetsnoda, and and that's a very good movie. But I would yeah. say, uh, and I really, really uh, was impressed by that filmmaker. But I don't think uh, Balagov. I don't think that uh, this would be as as strong a submission as Loveless would be. And it's all relative. Oh. I mean, I saw seven movies at Critics Week as a juror, and and I liked. At least four of them, but I don't expect any of them to necessarily be, you know, playing in that kind of bigger sense of the term, unless somebody picks them up and they start taking on another life when they play another festival and get in front of more people. I mean, the, the, the conversation, these conversations can evolve in ways that we can't possibly anticipate right now, even if these films, are, certain films already premiered at Cannes. So they, sometimes they get rebooted in a way for a totally different audience and then. You know, they have a completely different life a few months down, down the line. So all this conversation, and, and we, had, we still haven't gotten to Wonder Woman. I guess we'll have to uh, save this one for next week. No, we're going to do, do Wonder Woman. So I, um, it was really interesting. I, first of all, uh, there were all, it was so frustrating because we were in Cannes, you know, there were all the Twitter, you know, Comments you can tweet before reviews, you review it now. You know, yeah, the reviews, and then the reviews were breaking and everything. So finally, I get in. I get in to see this movie that had been getting a very, very positive uh, response. And and anyone who knows me knows that I'm rooting for Patty Jenkins. I'm rooting for Wonder Woman. I have a collection of Wonder Woman uh, statuettes. You know, I, I I have Porky Pig Wonder Woman. I have. I have Betty Boop Wonder Woman. I did I not know this about you. Fan. I am a fan of, of Wonder Woman. But wow. but basically, why is there so much at stake? We want this movie to succeed and show those studios how myopic and narrow-minded and foolish they really are. And, you know, maybe this, this could do... Uh, Better than than any of them uh, expected, and well, I believe it will. I, I mean, I, I, when I saw it yesterday at an all media screening, it was uh, mixed. One of those things where they mix it in with fans, and they had a marketing guy giving out tiaras to people and T-shirts. And the Patty Jenkins came, and the crowd went wild about the just the mere announcement of the first, you know, female directed superhero movie and all that kind of stuff. Every time. Uh, Wonder Woman, you know, beat somebody up. There was a cheer from the crowd. It's not necessarily the way it's going to play all over the country, but I do. I did feel like maybe there was a little bit of that that will travel with this movie that could really work in its favor. It doesn't ask too much of its audience. It's a very enjoyable movie, but, it, but one of the ways you know. that it's really clever, I think, um, is is that you know, basically, I mean, obviously, they already put Gal Gadot in into several other of, of these movies, but but uh, just playing, you know, the action side of, of, of Wonder Woman. But this is basically the origin myth 
movie and they make her sweet and innocent and uh, without any kind of guile. And she believes that it's her role to save the world and yeah, that yeah. she's been trained to do that. That's all and, she knows how to do. And, and, and so, and then, you know, obviously her introduction to the male sex is in the form of Chris Pine. And some of the dialogue is delightful where he's sort of saying, well, um, usually I'm considered to be a little bit above average. <laughs> yeah. you know? No, it's a little bit like it's the lovely. beguiled in that sense. It's got that kind of, it's like a little bit cheesy, but it, like kind of softcore porny, but in a way that's like playing, like the audience is in on the joke. They're winking at you, so it's okay. And it's no, a beautiful movie. It's really well line. done. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it looks good. It's a, it's, a, it's a very polished experience. And it's, well, look, it's they're been, throwing a hundred and something million dollars look at good, this right? thing. So, you know, you know that there's an entire galaxy of craftspeople at the top of their game, all of them with the goal of making this as good as it could possibly be. But it's up to Patty Jenkins to navigate the tone and, and make sure that it works. And she totally did. So next week we'll get a chance to see how this movie did commercially and, uh, you know, evaluate what, what that means. And we'll dig a little bit more into the summer. I'm sure you're hotly anticipating The Mummy, if not uh, Megan I'm going to go see it. So. <laughs> I actually thought the trailer was promising. Again, we know. have another kick-ass yeah, woman. She's she's putting Tom Cruise through his paces. So I, want, I, I, I could enjoy watching that. I, I will always watch Tom Cruise running somewhere. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> All right, in. All right, Rest Eric. up. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Talk to you later. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community and of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. <laughs>